Every word of God is pure, and all Scripture has been given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit for our instruction in righteousness. The portion that forms the basis for our study this day comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat, or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags, which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So far, our text. Dear fellow redeemed, in Christ Jesus, the Holy Son of God, and in Christ Jesus, the Holy Son of Man, the one who made all the right choices in life, and made all the right choices all the time. Grace and peace be unto you. We're kind of at a time of the year when some choices are made by families. One choice that has to be made by some families is where will we go to school this next year? That's kind of a major choice. Other choices connecting with the start of school are kind of minor. Should I get the 24-pack of crayons or the 36-pack of crayons? And some of us are involved in making choices of how to spend the last few weeks before school starts. Should we get a, get a breakaway trip or finish up that house project? Our text today talks about some choices, but it's not talking about those kind of minor choices and temporary choices. It's talking about very, very, very big choices. And it's talking about choices not made just by us, but choices that God has to make as well. We pray that God's Spirit will bless the study, our study of the Word, which He has recorded. We begin at verse 24. The words of the Savior. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. The word consider is kind of a significant word. It isn't just think about, it's to meditate on, it's to contemplate, it's to consider very carefully. So God wants us to focus on the ravens and what he does for them. The ravens don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have a barn, they don't have a grocery store, but God feeds them. I found a statistic that there are 50 billion different types, 50 billion types of birds 
out in the world. 50 billion, that's an awful lot of bird feeders that God has to set up, but he does it. In the book of Job, as you come down the closing chapters, you remember how it starts out where Job says, I don't think, God, you know what you're doing. And God comes to him in the last chapters and puts him on the witness stand, so to speak, and starts asking questions. If you don't think what I'm doing, where were you when I created the world? And then he goes into a long series of questions. They're kind of rapid-fire questions. And one of, the ways along, one of the questions along the way deals with food for the ravens. Who provides food for the ravens when it's young cry to God and wonder about for lack of food? And in the next chapter, he talks about two other types of birds. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? God's pointing out how he takes care of the ravens, the hawks, the eagles, all their kinds of birds. And at the end of that series of rapid-fire questions, Job has to put his hand over his mouth and say, I didn't know what I was talking about. God does know what he's doing. And God's point to us this morning is, if I can take care of 50, feeding 50 billion birds, and then the, Savior, the rest of the Savior's verse, uh, of how much more value are you than the birds? How much more precious is the creation that was made in the image of God? How much more precious is the creation that has an immortal soul? God says, if I can take care of the birds, I'll take care of you. Because so God has a choice. Should I feed the birds or feed the human beings? And thankfully, God says, I'll do both. I'll feed both the birds and the humans. Verse 27 gives us another picture. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Consider the lilies. And again comes that word. Think about this carefully. Contemplate this. Spend some time considering the lilies. I found one source that said there's over 400,000 different types of flowers in the world. And there's thousands upon thousands of varieties of just the rose itself. And God is the one who clothes all those flowers. He certainly has a lot to do, a very heavy job to do. But then comes the application of that, verse 28. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, and here you think about how live flowers last for just a short time. Flowers that adorned our altar just a few weeks ago are now out in the trash and decomposing. But if that's the way it is with that, how much more will we clothe you, O you of little faith? If he takes care of taking care of the rose, the marigold, the pansy, if he takes care of all those wide variety of flowers, how much more value are you with the immortal soul made in the image of God? So the Savior's point to those people and to us is God takes care of the birds, feeding them to take care of you, feeding you. He takes care of clothing the flowers, he'll take care of clothing you. We read verse 30. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. We shouldn't be concerned or worried. We know God does this work. We've been told God does this work. We've seen the evidence of God doing the work in our lives. But the unbeliever doesn't know this. And the unbeliever has to be very concerned. 
I know I have food for today, but will I have it for tomorrow or next week? I know I have clothing now, but will, I, will my money last for the rest of my lifetime or not? And then you can see how they build up a lot of worry and anxiety. The Savior says to us, the Father knows you need these things. And again, verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. It's one thing for the Father to say, I know you need food and clothing, but he goes a step further and says, and I will take care of it. I will add these things to you. Do not fear, O little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And now we get introduced to something that goes beyond food and clothing. Now we get introduced to God's desire to give us the kingdom of God. We have more coming on that in just a moment. So we're, remind, we're taught in these verses that God would use his omniscience. Where is the eagle? How high is his nest? Where is the raven? What roadside is he picking off his food from? Where are those birds? He uses his omniscience and he uses his power to feed them. As it is with the flowers, whether it's the one that we grow around in our gardens, whether it's the one that are on the tops of the mountains, God says, I'm taking care of those flowers and I'm giving them clothing. And the point is, that God will use his omniscience, his power, and his faithfulness to keep his promises to give us what we need to eat, drink, and what we need for clothing. Those are the choices God has to make. Thankfully, he, he decides to feed both bird and us. Thankfully, he decides to clothe both flowers and us. And thankfully, he keeps those promises. But there are some choices for us to make as well. And the first one is whether we're going to let God do his job or not. Verse 25 of our text. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? <clears throat> Excuse me. The closing portion of this verse, one cubit to his stature, kind of goes in one of two directions. The one is, how can, one direction is, if we're just sitting in a chair, can we add some inches to our height? Well, the answer is no. And the other one is, if we're just sitting in a chair, can we add some time to our lifespan? And the answer again is no. I favor the second one because of the passage in uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 39, which talks about adding a hand breath or measuring to our time. So I think here the thought is, can we add time to our life? Can we add time when the last hours are coming by, <coughs> coming close? Can we add time and say, I need another week? Can we extend our lives? And the answer is very clearly no. If we can't take care of such a thing as that, how are we going to handle a lifetime, a lifetime of food and clothing? <clears throat> Excuse me, again, verse 26. If, the, if then you are not able to do the least, why are you anxious? The word anxious means concerned or worried for the future. Every time we wonder, I don't know if my savings account is going to last. I don't know if I have enough in the retirement fund. I don't know <clears throat> if I'm going to be able to afford clothing in the future. We're taking over God's role. God's promises, I will take care of that for you. I will do that for you. Every time we have doubts, we're wondering whether God can actually get it done. Every time we get misplaced priorities and seek those things first, then we have doubts about whether God will get his role done, and we're making the wrong choice. 
We can't do what we think we would like to try to do. We need to have that confidence, faith, trust. God has promised this. He'll do what he's promised. This next choice we have is what should we do about what we're seeking? Should we pursue the treasure, excuse me, the trinkets on earth or the treasures found in the kingdom of God? Verse 22 and 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. The therefore takes us back to the previous verses. And Jesus, in those verses, spoke a parable. He was concerned, and he gave the principle, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. A man's life doesn't consist in how much stuff he can gather. And then he went on to tell the story about a very rich man. And the rich man said, you know, I've got so much stuff. I've got all these barns. I've got more stuff than I can put into these barns. I'm going to have to tear all these barns down, and then I can put more stuff in. And then when I get more stuff put in these barns, then I'll be able to finally rest and say to my soul, now you can take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You can retire in a good lifestyle. You remember how that parable ends. God says, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you, and then who's going to get all this stuff? Jesus does not use the word fool carelessly. When he calls this individual a fool, he means it sincerely. This man had got the wrong kind of treasures. He was piling up treasures on earth. And in our text here, Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. Pile up the treasures in heaven. That man was piling up treasures, and those treasures would not add one hour to his life when death came. Those treasures would not do him any value at all in the world to come. And he had made a very foolish, very foolish decision to be rich on things on earth, but not rich in things towards God. And so that's the basis on which Jesus starts to us saying, after the parable of the rich man, the foolish rich man, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll put on. And makes the promises, I'll take care of these things. And closes this section with the verse, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Teaching us to move our heart from the treasures on earth to move our heart towards the treasures in heaven. These Bible truths have certain applications in our lives. It's going to cause us not to do some things. It's going to cause us to do other things. One of the things is going to, one of the things, verse 29, do not seek what you should eat or what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind. Do not seek the treasures on earth. Do not seek what you have to do for daily bread, nor have an anxious mind. <clears throat> the anxious mind is it's going, on, it's going back and forth. God's going to take care of me. I, I don't know if God's going to take care of me. God promised to take care of me. I don't know if he's going to get it done. That's that anxious mind. It's one that has worry. And God says, do not worry. It's one that has fears. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And he tells us, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Some things that we should not do because God's going to be taking care of us. 
We should not seek the wrong type of treasure. We should not worry. We should not doubt. And we shouldn't have uh, go back and forth as to whether God will do what he says. But there are also some things we should do. Do not seek those treasures, but, 31, seek the kingdom of God. And again, verse 33, sell what you have and give alms. This is amazing. Sell what you have and give alms. Now, he's not saying sell everything you have. But you remember that rich man who was so foolish? He was just kind of gathering it all in, pulling it all to himself. And because we have this Father in heaven who has promised to take care of every single need we have today, tomorrow, and in the future, we can be generous. We can sell stuff that we have and give it to the poor. We don't have to bring it. Life no longer focuses on us. It focuses on helping others with the possession God gives us. And then he tells us what else to do. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. We should put bank accounts in heaven, money bags in heaven. Have that be the place of our CDs. Have that be the place of our investments, to invest in the treasures of heaven. And that brings us back to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The parallel passage in Matthew's gospel. What is meant by the kingdom of God? Well, it's helpful to start out, perhaps, with what the kingdom of God is not. Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, or the Savior testifying before Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. For those of people who would like to say, oh, you know, the kingdom of God is going to solve the problem of the homeless. No, the Savior's kingdom solves the problem of homelessness in eternity. For those who are concerned about uh, lowering inflation or uh, helping lower unemployment or helping to get uh, world peace, we've got a kingdom that does something much, much better. It brings us, well, <clears throat> excuse me, from the passage from Romans, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and joy and peace all in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about big treasures. That rich man, for all the riches he had, could not make one single down payment on the debt of his sin. And here comes the Savior with his work on Calvary and saying, I will die here and give to you freely forgiveness of sins. When my death, God will declare the whole world not guilty, the supreme treasure. There you have the kingdom of God. I'd like to stop off <clears throat> in illustrating the kingdom of God on Good Friday, where you have three men that are dying on crosses. And the one man on the cross has got the attitude of the foolish one. He says to Jesus, if you are the Christ, come down from the cross, save yourself. And oh, by the way, in that process of saving yourself, save me too. He was interested in buying a few more weeks, months, years, in this lifetime. The Savior was interested in a different life, eternal life. The other thief on the cross said, you know, we've deserved what we're getting because we have sinned. Now this man is just a few short hours away from dying, and he's about to face God's judgment seat, and he knows he's got sins, some sins for which the Roman government caught him and are putting him to death. But he's got a whole bunch of other sins that condemn him before God's judgment seat. 
And now what is he going to do about those sins? He casts himself upon that king. He turns to Jesus, I know you've done nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He could see by faith that although this other fellow, the one in the middle, was dying, he was dying to make a kingdom. Normally, the death of a king or a president or a queen is the end of that kingdom, that realm, that reign, but not so with Jesus. With his death, he brought a kingdom of forgiveness and a kingdom of eternal life. And that thief could see with eyes of faith, that's the kingdom. i got to be in that kingdom. Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom. And the Savior responded with, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's a beautiful description of the kingdom of God. A kingdom which brings eternal life. A kingdom which brings forgiveness of sins. A kingdom which brings us a certain future. And in those few hours, that thief, by turning to Jesus took care of all of his past and took care of all of his future. That's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's the kingdom which God says in our text, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In a few minutes, many of us will have the opportunity to participate in Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, it sounds incredible you're getting this kingdom, but I want you to know it. And I not only want you to hear it from the preachers preaching the word of God, but I want you to taste it, to see it. With the bread, with the wine, I'll be giving you the body and blood shed and given on the cross. And what an amazing gift this is. God doesn't say to us, you know, if you get a chance once in your lifetime, why don't you travel over to the place where my son died on the cross? No, God doesn't say that. He doesn't say to us, listen, I'll bring to you pieces of the cross that you can have. He says, instead, I'll give you the very body and blood that atoned for sin to take that with you so you can have the confidence that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. And what confidence we need. When it comes to that list of here are the things we shouldn't do and here are the list of things we should do, don't worry, don't fear. Don't doubt. Don't seek the wrong treasures. We often find ourselves in that camp, don't we? And when it comes to the list of things we should do, be generous with your possessions and store up the treasures in heaven. We often don't, we're not often, sometimes we're not in that camp. And we have failures in our choices in life. Thank God, literally thank God, that he does not ever have failures in his choices in life. His promise holds true. I feed the birds, I'll feed you. His promises hold true. I clothe the flowers, I'll clothe you. You're much more precious to me than these other portions of creation. And to top all that off, I'm determined. I'm, I'm, I have a determination and I have a promise to give to you the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.